I shared this week uh, that I wanted to start a new series, that uh, God has been kind of speaking to my heart about this series for a little while. Um, it's one that I'm guessing uh, about six weeks and probably it's something we can revisit again uh, as we move forward as a church. Um, but the reality is, you know, Walt was just sharing, uh, the premise to this whole series is, is a phrase that, that I say sometimes, and it's that I think sometimes music can make us the greatest liars. Sometimes I think music can make us the greatest liars. I just want to read some that I came up with, several songs that, that are examples of this. We drive down the road, we sing words, and they don't mean anything. We say we're riding through the desert on a horse with no name. We cry out that we're the champions till the end, we'll keep on fighting. We say, New York, New York, you know, Frank Sinatra. And we've never been any further than York, Nebraska. You know what I'm saying? Like we sing songs that say, bye-bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry as we're driving our Toyota Prius down the highway. I'm telling you, music can make us some of the greatest liars. I mean, uh, what is Strawberry Fields forever anyway? We don't know, but we sing it from the bottom of our heart. We built it as loud as, as we can. In the concern, sometimes I feel what translates in the church is what happens as we're driving our car. It's a music that can make us some of the greatest liars. And we're singing because we like the melody, we like the song, we like the way it sounds. We're not really that worried. I mean, seriously, my wife makes fun of me all the time because whenever I sing a song and she's around, I'm making up words because I don't even know what the words are. I just make them up. That's not what it says. Yeah, it is. And she proves me wrong every time. It's not about the words. It's about the music. You know, we spend time every Sunday. We had an opportunity to share about Sunday school this morning. It was our first Sunday back, and, and Walt was talking about that at the beginning of service. But why do we do Sunday school? Like what's the value that comes through that? As, we, as, we're, as we're re-entering things, you know, why do we spend time on Sundays singing? I mean, if it's just about singing, then go sit in the parking lot and sing at the top of your lungs. If it's just about the music, then there's lots of songs that you could sing. But the reality is, is that we made some pretty profound declarations with our lips this morning. Whether you realize it or not, you said some pretty remarkable things as you were singing songs, if you were reading the words and saying those words or singing along with the worship team today. And I don't want the church to be like your car. My heart as a pastor is that music isn't making us great liars, but expressing truly what we believe on the inside. That when we say these words, we're not just singing with the tune, but it becomes an encounter where we're expressing something inwardly to God himself. 
I'm going to pray because over the next few weeks, I want to take, what I want to do is each week just take a song, some that we sing and some that we haven't sang before, but just look at, look at them closer. And I just want to stop and think about what we sang. I want to stop and think about what the words were saying and, and maybe give a little bit of bones or flesh to those bones and, and, and help us picture these these words in a, in a different way, if they've just become words on a screen or, or a song that, that Walt sings, then, then maybe we can see some of the implications biblically behind what we're singing. And it helps us in that moment to express our hearts fully. I'm going to pray, Father, I thank you for what you're doing. And I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the opportunity to look in your word today. I thank you for this series, God. There's an excitement in my heart for this time where we get to spend time looking at the profession of our lips, words that we've, we've sang, God. And, and I pray that as we, as we dig in, God, there's connections, there's heart connections, there's mind connections, there's spirit connections that happen, God, to these songs. So that Sunday is not just some more singing, but it's an experience with our King. God, I pray your anointing upon these words. I ask that you would guide and direct everything that is said as we dig into the word, that you would help us to see and understand, to hear and know in Jesus' name. Amen. I will say, typically I have no communication with Walt during the week about what songs to sing. These few weeks, I will let Walt know one song that he needs to sing each Sunday. So it kind of goes along. So there is some communication that has happened with Walt and I this week. But I want to go back to the last song that we sang. And I want to just spend a moment and and read the words again. So that, that it said, Who am I but the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his His love for me. Oh, His love for me. Who the Son sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last. He's ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, He died for me. Who the Son sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. I'm chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. And you know, when I look at these words, there's a, there's a phrase in there that kind of stood out to me because it resonated with my understanding of Scripture. There was a phrase in there that, 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 that really kind of stood, stood out to me, and it's right here. It said, who the Son sets free always is free indeed. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. Maybe I've heard that somewhere before. And so, so in your Bibles, if you turn to John uh, chapter 8. Verse 31 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then in verse 32, it says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you jump down to verse 36, because there's still some encounter that's happening there, but verse 36 literally reads, so if the Son 
sets you free. I mean, look, it reads as a song. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Well, there it is. So, I mean, I'm real smart. If I'm singing this, maybe there was some context to this that I need to comprehend. Maybe I need to look at this portion of Scripture and see what God is speaking in this chapter. And maybe it will help me to fully understand this whole idea of who you say I am. So that was in, in verse 31 and in 36. And so I just went to the beginning of that chapter. I began to look at what was happening in the beginning. And I'll read this story and then I'll talk about it some. But Jesus, he went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group. And said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the, law, the, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? Verse 6 says they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus, he bent down and he started to ride on the ground with his finger. And they kept questioning him. He straightened up and said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left. With the woman still standing there, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. The song that we're looking at, it says, Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? Who am I that, 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 that would be ransomed or that the ransom would be paid for me? Who am I that, that I would be free? You know, the one who the sun sets free is free indeed. We seem to be dealing with a song that is all about identity. Like, who am I? And I think this chapter starts with a woman who we're seeing truly in an identity crisis. It's a critical moment in her life. What's happening? Jesus is coming, he's in the temple courts, and the scripture says very clearly, all the people were there. So there was a pretty good crowd if all the people were there. Apart from this moment, there's this woman. And what has she done? She has been caught in adultery. So she's done wrong. I don't think there's any question to the reality of her sin. She was caught in adultery, independent of this moment with Jesus. They're bringing this woman before the Pharisees because she's been caught doing the wrong thing. So her actions have started the identification, right? Who is she? Well, they said she's an adulterer. That's what they told her, right? She's an adulterer. The Pharisees then, they heard who she was. So her actions began to define her. Her actions began to communicate who she was. Her title was adulterer. So then what do the Pharisees do? I mean, seriously. They bring her before the entire crowd. Come on. 
If her action wasn't enough to identify her, all the crowd is plenty. So now she's got, I don't know how many eyes looking at her as they begin to say who she is. This woman, the Pharisees say, is an adulterer. That's who she is. She's been defined by her actions, but now she's being defined by everyone else. I mean, how do you escape that moment? Can you imagine? I mean, it'd be one thing if they say, hey, Jesus, come over here. We want to put this perplexing thing before you and trap you away from the crowd. But really, she was just a tool for them to to trap Jesus. That's what Scripture tells us. So they put her before the crowd, and then they begin to speak who she is. She's an adulterer. So now she's been defined by her actions, and she's been defined by others in what they see and know about her and what they've heard about her. And what do they say? They want to trap Jesus, so they bring up the law. The law's already identified someone in her position. The law's already written the story for someone in that moment. And they said, Jesus, you know the law, and you know what the law of Moses says. And that law says that anyone who is caught in this act needs to be what? They're stoned. They're condemned to die. She's been defined by her actions, her fault, her problem. She's been defined by others. And now she's been defined by the law. Who is she? She's an adulterer. She's screwed up. She's probably embarrassed and ashamed. Who is absolutely condemned to die. That's who she is. But how does she feel anything other than that through the first part of the story? That's, that's, that's the reality of who I am. I mean, it has to be trapped by, by, by what's been defined. And, and what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? The scripture says, and there's a lot of debate about what this is, and, and I really wish I knew more, but that he bent down as they're talking to him and trying to trap him, and he begins to write in the sand with his fingers. One theory that I read, which I really like, was he began to write sins in the sand. And they kept pushing him, and he just kept writing more sins in the sand. And what happened? They were trying to trap him with what? The law. But Jesus spoke a truth to them. He spoke to them and he said, yeah, that might be what the law says, but I'll tell you what. Let the one of you, whoever among you has not sinned. And I'm guessing if he wrote in the sand, Jesus is pointing at the sand right now. Maybe not. That's, That's again, please interpret this through the lens of Pastor Steve right now. And there's a lot of oh my's going on. And a lot of finger pointing at each other, because it's not mine, that's him. And Jesus is saying, hey, why don't the one of you who has not sinned, go ahead and cast the first stone. We're not breaking the law. He's fulfilling the law, and he's saying, okay, let's fulfill it. The first one of you who has not committed any sin, go ahead and, and, and cast the first stone. So what do I see as a pastor as I'm looking at that? Jesus is beginning to redefine, re-identify her, and he's erasing The law. So you've been identified. Who we say you are is condemned to take rocks to your face until you die. 
That's who you are. And Jesus is saying, hang on. Let's just, let's just change that. And then you've been identified by all these eyes, the eyes of all the people that are gathered there looking at you, all the ones that are in the middle of this moment staring at you, the ones that are making accusations and the ones that are hearing this for the very first time, the ones who are beginning to, to look for their rocks, you know, I find that one with just that sharp point that's really going to make an impact. You've been identified by them. Mike's back there. I can't see him right now. Or Greg. I guess I've helped Greg with this quite a bit. You've been branded. You know what I mean? How can she not be branded? That mark is upon her. That scarlet letter is on her for this crowd, for all these people. That's who she is. At this, it said in verse 9, those who had heard, or those who heard, began to go away one at a time. Until only Jesus was left. I want you to think about that moment. All those eyes that stared at her, all those ones that accused her, all the ones who knew exactly what she had done, they were removed from the moment. I see Jesus. What I see happening in the Word of God is, is, yeah, you were defined by the law, but I've spoken to that. Now you've been defined by men, and I'm speaking to that. They're all leaving. And all that's left is her and Jesus. I want you to think about that moment. Because the reality of Jesus' instructions to the people was what? Let the one without sin cast the first stone. So what it tells me is that if we're just looking for one without sin to cast the first stone, once Jesus got this party started, everything was going to happen. We were just waiting for one without sin to throw that stone. Jesus was the only one in that entire crowd that could condemn her to die. Jesus was the only one in that entire crowd that could bring her to death. Yet she's left standing alone with Him. I'm guessing she knows who Jesus is. I'm guessing she recognizes he's the one that all the people gathered to talk, to listen to, to learn from. And she's still identified by one thing. And what is that? It's herself. There's still one thing that hasn't been addressed. She's left alone with herself and Jesus. He's removed the law. He's removed the crowds. He's removed the names and the accusations. But she's left standing before him. And what does he say? Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Does no one include her? 
Does no one include this woman? He said, you've been defined by the law and you've been defined by others, but now let's look at you. I I don't see any room in Scripture that says she wasn't in adultery. I don't see her fighting or arguing when they say the law says to stone her. She's accepted who she was. But Jesus said, has anyone, has no one, is, is there anyone left? There's no one's left to condemn you, correct? And she says, no one, sir. So what does he say to her? Then neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. He's taking care of the law. He's taking care of the crowds. And now he's dealing with her. How many knows sometimes we can deal with the law and we can deal with the crowds, but it's really hard when it's just me and Jesus. And Jesus is looking in her and he's saying, who truly has condemned you? And the proclamation of her mouth is that no one has condemned her. So that means that I'm not condemning myself either. So what does Jesus say? If you're not condemning yourself, then go and be transformed. Go and leave the life of sin that puts you in this moment. And then your identity becomes something completely different than these last 15 or 20 minutes or hour and a half. picture this woman processing as she's walking away from this moment who am I that the king of kings would stand up for me who am I that man when I was in that moment and I was caught knew this is it That I knew going into this day that the end result of this day was I was no longer going to be on this earth. I knew that I had done wrong. I knew that I had screwed up. I knew what the law said. I knew the result of my action. I knew when they caught me from that moment on. Just get on with it. There's no way out of this. Bring it. Yeah, you put me before people. Yeah, you want to put a scarlet letter on me. Yeah, you want to tell me what the law says. Yeah, you want to see me, the guys picking up rocks and throwing them up and down, whatever. Just get on with it because I know who I am. I'm just an adulterer, ashamed and broken and ready to be condemned. But because of Jesus Christ and because of a moment with him, because of his love, God's love revealed through him, who am I now that that's not my fate? Who am I that I should be walking free right now? Who am I that I shouldn't be facing stones? Who am I that I should be free? Who the Son sets free. He's free indeed. Verse 34 says, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, everyone who who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, 
yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you that, I, that what I have seen in the Father's presence and you are doing what you have heard from your father. These people were finding their identity in something other than their childhood. They said, we're descendants of Abraham. That's what the Pharisees were proclaiming. This chapter, I mean, it's just them going back and forth that Jesus is really what's happening. And they're finding their identity in what? Descendants of Abraham. And Jesus is very clear. Everyone who sins is what? A slave to sin. Scripture tells us that the punishment of sin is absolutely death. That's what you're a slave to. But, but, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. In the one who is a son, who is a child of God. That song says, I am a child of God. What does that mean? I'm no longer defined by my sin. I'm no longer defined by the accusations. I'm no longer defined by the punishment for my sin. But I'm defined because I've accepted who I am in Jesus Christ. My place in the kingdom of God. My position in his family. And because of what Jesus Christ did, Scripture said we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ. I have a place in his family. I can declare that I'm a child of God if I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. If I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead, I will be saved. I am made a child of God. Who who are you? I asked them to sing this chorus again. And I want to conclude the service today right where the service, the worship service ended. Because I want us to think about the words of this song. And I don't know what, what's been identifying you in your life this day, this week, this month. If you've been identified by anything other than who you are in Him, I want you to come to a moment where you're standing basically just with you and Jesus. Where He can start to take those lies, those accusations, those condemnations, and usher them out of your life. You know, you might say this morning that, that I'm, just a, I'm just a sinner. And I screwed up again and again and again. The promise that God has for you today is that you're not, you're not defined by your sin. You know, there might be some who say, man, but everyone tells me this is who I am. Everyone says it. I've heard it over and over again. I'm not going to amount to anything. Or I'm going to be everything. They've they've told me that. You've allowed them to define you. But you need a moment with Jesus Christ. A moment where it's only you and Him. A moment where the Father's love is demonstrated through the Son. 
You know, sometimes I think we condemn ourselves. We say, I'm just destined to fail. I know me. I know my track record. I know if you wrote the pages to my book, it's failure tomorrow. I want before you leave that moment where you can say, yeah, all those things, all those pages, all those moments that were identifying me, all those eyes, all those words that have been speaking to me that were apart from the Word of God, that Jesus can look at you today and say, woman, man, where are they? And like this woman... You begin to open your eyes and you look around and you see that the crowd is gone. That the condemnation is gone. And it's just you and Jesus. And then he says, will you receive it? Will you receive it? Will you receive what I've done? Will you receive who I've called you? Will you receive what I've said about you? Then go and sin no more. Live as, as who you've become in him, not who you were before this moment. If anyone came up to that woman later and said, Oh, you're that adulterer, she's going to say, No, I'm the one who was set free by Jesus Christ. She's going to look at them and say, No, I'm not defined by that anymore. I've, I experienced Jesus, and He set me free from that moment. And who the Son set free is absolutely free indeed. And don't receive it. Don't let it come back. Why? Because you're a child of God. If you're here this morning, before we sing these words, because I don't want music to make a liar out of anyone, and you don't know what it means to be a child of God, or you're struggling with some of these definers in your life, I want an opportunity to shepherd your heart. I want a moment to spend with you so we can talk about what it means to be a child of God, what it means to be set free, what it means to be free from the curse of sin and death. If you want that moment, I want to make myself available. I'll be in that front pew. You can come over. We can talk. We can pray. If not, if you can sing these words. If these words can be an expression of your heart. Let words not make you a liar, but a worshiper in these next few moments. Let words not deceive you, but words empower you to express who you are in Him. Amen?
Because the scripture I just read, it said, take captive every thought, every argument that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Who you are is a child of God. When those thoughts come, when those arguments come, take them captive. That's what's captive. You're free from that. Take captive those lies. Take captive those stories. You're a child of God. Amen? I'm going to dismiss, but I'm going to let Walt play this a few more times if you want to stick around. The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you know who you are. And may you be identified by what Jesus Christ has done. Amen?